Entrepreneurship also opens up your ability once you learn how to structure. I'm going to kind of just call it out. Yeah. It, 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 you've learned, you learned how to structure, you learned how to bring people together, then you learn how to give them a message. And so you created that. And again, now what you're using is that business acumen or that perfect word, your acronym. Yeah. And basically what you're doing is you're now saying, I can do something with the skill set. And I think that even when you were talking a bit ago, you were starting out, say, let's start with the family. Then you go to your neighborhood. And kind of in that saying, what I've always told people is like, you guys got to stop, like, stop your opinion if you're not willing to go lobby for it. The Move Entrepreneur Evolved Podcast. Get on it. And we're back with another episode of the Moved Entrepreneur Evolved Podcast. I'm actually excited I got here. Matt Lopez with the Guardian of Society, but we've got a lot to unpack here. What's up, brother? I'm doing good, man. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me on your podcast. I look forward to bringing any kind of value I can to your audience and getting a chance to meet with you again and speak with you. I know uh, we, we spoke about a week or so ago on my podcast, which will be launching here in the next week or two. Um, and so I'm excited to be able to continue that conversation and, you know, just get to meet and, and, and talk with like-minded people. I'm excited to, to hear, you know, other people, other men's points of views, you know, what's driven them in their life and their journey. And so I'm thankful uh, that you allow me to come on here and, and have that conversation. Dude, it always makes it great, man, when you got someone that can speak for themselves really well. And I'm fortunate and most and basically all the guests that I've had, they've been able to do it. So I'm just pumped to catch your knowledge, bring a bunch of you know, stories to people. So I'm excited about it, but I'm going to just dive into this thing. Number one, you had a birthday, bro. Yeah. Yeah. We kind of, yeah. we kind of do the happy year. birthday thing. You know what I mean? It's kind of, they kind of kind of be like happy birthday. So happy birthday, bro. Appreciate it, man. Appreciate it. Well, if you're listening to this podcast, <laughs> hopefully that's not too old, but yeah, I just had a birthday this last week and uh, it was pretty awesome to be able to spend time uh, with my family, my kids. And, you know, as you get older, uh, I turned 39 you know, the things in life become a little bit, you know, more important than others. And you start to reflect on what makes you happy. And, um, you know, just being able to spend time with family, the kids making me some cool signs. They went to uh, Five Below, which is kind of like your dollar store in the uh, Orlando area, bought me a bunch of big stuff, you know, probably spent 20 bucks each, bought me a bunch of cool toys. And then we went out and had steak and steak and margaritas for dinner. And <laughs> I couldn't ask for more. You, you closed it out with a good move, brother. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I'm going to take you back because I believe that things change in our lives, but sometimes things don't. And you had actually quoted Mark Cuban back in 2014. You said, though college, though going to college was a stepping stone for bigger and better things several decades ago, the notion that having a degree is only road to success today is one of the largest scams in U.S. history. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, a lot of a lot of uh, my thought process and my even own career stems from that that saying from Mark. Um, everyone has a different path, a different road, and yes, there are tried and true journeys for certain people, but it's not the only journey. It's not the only way to be mm. successful or you know attain a level of success that you're looking for. And how I resonate with it is because. I didn't go through the traditional college to be where I'm at now in my career. And long story short, outside of the military and the service there, when I got out of the military, I was kind of left with, well, what am I going to do for my life, my career? How am I going to make that same kind of income and, and provide for my family? Mm -hmm. And I was trying some of the traditional routes and it just wasn't a good fit for me. And long story short, with a bunch of tri trials and not finding what I wanted, so I don't count those as failures, I just say, ah, didn't like doing that. Uh, and I pivoted, I fell across um, doing internet marketing, digital marketing. Mm -hmm. And through that process, I just dove deep on YouTube University, like a lot of entrepreneurs start. And I just spent hours and hours trying to learn the, um, the intricacies of digital marketing for my golf coaching business. And so I was yeah. a, a golf coach and I needed to find clients and I needed to find students. And so, so let me, let me, let me kind of pull you from here. Cause you got a great story and I don't want to, I think you could, you're going to tell many of them, but I'm going to pull one back. And you just had mentioned, you know, you're in the military. We, as entrepreneurs or business owners, uh, you know, there's a, there's a form of, uh, let's say, um, responsibility 
and taking action and those things. But what are some things that you probably got from the military? Because I think the statement that you say, look, I didn't go traditional route of the education side, but there's things that you did pick up that created a foundation to be able to parlay into those things. What was maybe the military? What is in there that um, some skill sets that you have brought into the real world? Absolutely. I think the number one skill set that I learned in the military, and there was quite a few, I could list them and the whole hour long podcast would go over the list of things that I've learned. But the number one thing that translated from the military till my success now is discipline. Just hands down the the discipline needed to wake up at five, six a.m. every day and go and and do my job in the military. And even though we were at peacetime when the years that I served, you had to be ready for anything mm-hmm. to happen. And and my job requirements was in a warfare kind of scenario. So if something were to pop off with a submarine or, or any kind of attack, we have to be ready to go and we have to be trained um, and, and keep that training up to date um, every single six months. But the discipline in order to, to keep that standard, the discipline to getting the qualifications, showing up for work, um, at a certain point I was promoted and given opportunity to lead and manage you know, uh, units of anywhere from 20 to 30 sailors at a time, if not more. Yeah. And having the discipline to be the first in the office, getting the plan of the day ready to go for the sailors so they could succeed, so the division could succeed, and then obviously the follow-up, the management, the the work ethic that comes along with it. But discipline was the number one thing that I could take. And responsibility. I mean, that discipline came with, if the responsibility was there, the reason for the discipline played out, it sounds from what I hear from you. You know, it's um, a lot of people go to the military and, you know, if anybody has a chance to do something, even if it's not military, that you're going to engulf yourself that like will change you because you I always say it's like a Mowgli environment. It's like you kind of go into the jungle and you like you become the jungle, you know, and I think that people kind of forget that you can actually become something totally different. And the reason I say that because I have a cousin of mine and he um, I remember we went in the military, he went in the Marines and. My uncle and I, he's like, hey, man, you want to go, you know, see your cousin go, you know, graduate or whatever. And, you know, watching him leave and seeing the picture of this, you know, kid that lanky, you know, whole thing. <laughs> and then coming through to graduation, you show up and it's just this machine, an entire mm-hmm. different way of looking at things, an entire different way that you w- would address this person. There's a demand of respect. There's all these things that are there. And I've, I thought that that transition was always so fun to watch because it was literally watching a noodle turn into this just oak tree oh, yeah. of a person. It, it, the, the, yeah. military, the military will make or break an individual. And, you know, an individual has to take and have, you know, has to commit to their new way of life. And if you try to go, I wouldn't say against it, but yeah, but if you try to go against the grain early on, the military may not be a good fit. It's not a good fit for some people. And it can be a really mm-hmm. long four years for certain individuals. And I've seen it, you know, firsthand. And, you know, thankfully enough, I committed because I didn't really have much else going for me at the time, leaving high school and, mm-hmm. and in the neighborhood that I was growing out of. And and so I was like, it's this or or what else? And so I fully committed and, and I took on the role and the, that responsibility when it came, which then helped build, like you, like you said, that foundation of discipline for me. That's what I pulled from all of it with that responsibility. But you're absolutely right. Um, the second I got out, you know, shoulders broad, chest out, you know, excited. <laughs> and, and, you know, I was the first of many in my line of, of my, my family to be successful. Mm. Graduate, graduating high school was like not in my family line. Got it. So that was the first step. And once I did that, I didn't really know what else to do. And then the military just, they got lucky. They caught me at the right time in, in, a, in a cafeteria in my senior year of high school. And I didn't have plans to do anything else. And it looked like a good fit. And it looked like a great opportunity to, to expand. And you got career. recruited. <laughs> yeah. yeah, basically. But the funny thing is, is I was one of the easier ones. They didn't have to recruit me. They just said mm-hmm. free dental, free medical. You get paid. You get to travel the world. You get free housing. I go, and I get to leave the house and do some cool stuff and go see some awesome countries and cities. And I said, you know, hey, I, I need to check this out more. And so I recruited myself. And that, that I'm the perfect kind of recruit for the military is, you know, straight A's. Well, not necessarily, but I was out of trouble. I didn't yeah. get into I had no criminal record for the most part. Um, uh, I was a, a BD student, BCD student. So I wasn't mm-hmm. the best in school, but I was young, healthy, and I could learn. So they were like, all right, let's get you out. And I was shipped out about 60 days after I signed up. So 
When in the military, because you have this choice and there's a date that you're going to come out and, you know, you're like, okay, that's my date. This is my release date. Um, Do you find yourself in that position in a place where you're thinking about, all right, well, I'm going to get out and maybe I, or obviously I'm going to do another, I'm going to be a lifer, right? 20 years. Or you're like, Hey, I'm going to get out and go to college. I'm going to use what the military gave me, or I'm going to take another risk. And that sounds like what you did. You had seen some things. What were the things that you were seeing? What was going on at that time period? Because I remember internet marketing at the time. I, I know the names that were popping off. So who, who were the people you started to see that started to anchor you going, wait a minute, there's a path there. Who are these people that you started to connect with? Or, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's, that's a that's Or a who was question. in your ad? Who's in your ad feed? Yeah, who's yeah, who's popping up on my feed all the time? No, that's a great question. And it's not a really conventional journey because my my way into internet marketing didn't happen until several years after I got out of the military. Um, when I got out of the military, uh, I did about a 10 year career. Uh, and I get I get I get Yeah, can I, I can curse on this one, right? Is that all right? I don't give a shit. Let it fly. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. I figured as much. But um, you know, wait a minute. Why did you figure so much? What did I do? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, from our previous call on mine. This guy um, doesn't give a shit. Yeah. Just let it. No, I don't. I don't. Yeah. So, you know, I've been given shit for getting out at 10 years because technically um, this year would have been my 20 year mark and I would have retired with a full pension, full benefits, retirement pay. Um, and I'm only 39. And some people are like, that's crazy, Matt. Why didn't you take that? It's a nice yeah. steady paycheck. And I go my sanity. Um, I just mm. wasn't happy. I wasn't driven anymore. I didn't see a future or an outcome where I wasn't going to most likely um, get reprimanded because I saw the path, the way the military was changing on how you know it ran itself. And Got so it. I figured it didn't align with me. But anyways, I made the decision to get out back in 2011. And I went on this journey for about five years trying to figure out what I wanted to do because the pro- getting out was scary because I didn't know what I was going to do. They- yeah my job didn't really translate into civilian life where everywhere I looked to try to find my qualifications, nothing transferred. I mean, the, the only thing that I could ever say I could apply for was some sort of mid-level management position of people and becoming a leader. And that was about it. Like I did air traffic controlling, I did submarine warfare, I, I navigated ships, but none of those transferred into civilian life. I still would have had to go on to college to get got those it, degrees. Got it. And I'm, and I'm not a student. I know myself well. I don't like school. I don't like being in a classroom. And so I started doing some other entrepreneurial things. So I, I did a medical sales for some time, selling some medical devices. So mm. I, I dipped my toe in the sales space. Didn't care for that much, even though compensation was really, really good, you know, making mm-hmm. five, $10,000 on a sale. Then I got into the graphic design school. I went to the Art Institute for a year or two to learn how to do web coding and design. I was like, oh, I'll just start my own web coding business. And at school, though, it was a headache. And then I started to see the Wixes, the Square Spaces, the Click yeah. funnels, And I'm like, all right, web design's not going to be a high popular, uh, high paying job anymore. So I, I pivoted real quick. And um, I like sports. Basketball is my favorite, but I also love golf. Golf is mm. my second favorite sport. And a buddy of mine introduced me to the Golf Academy of America in San Diego. And I was like, what is this? And I go, it's a trade school on how to become a golf coach, right? Get certified to teach golf. And I go, well, I love sports. I love teaching. I love being outside. And it's golf. Like, what can 13 through 15? What years was this? Uh, yeah, so th- so this was uh, from uh, 15 to 16 is by the time I, I got. Yeah, so I did sales. Uh, I did um, schooling. And then I just switched around year uh, 2015. Um, for 16 months, I went and got certified to be a golf instructor and club fair, uh, club repair um, club fitter. And uh, that was my first taste of real entrepreneurship. Because once I got that yeah. qualification, I started my, I wanted to teach. I didn't want to work for anybody else. I didn't want to work in a pro shop. I just wanted to teach. So I built a junior golf program here in, uh, or there in Southern California, where I built it of uh, about 15 to 20 monthly recurring uh, students that would stop by and get coaching from me on a weekly basis. <clears throat> and these kids, kids ages were from eight to 15 um, in high school. Then this is where I found internet marketing because I needed to find those kids. I needed to find the parents of those kids so I could talk to them and invite them out and do a demo. This this was your potato gun. Yeah, this was my potato gun. And so this was around 2015, 2016. 
I started learning more from YouTube how to get into the internet space because I was like, I can't wait for parents with kids to come to this local uh, course that I was teaching at. I mean, yeah. those were ripe and those were even better uh, customers. I had to go find them. So I started learning all the organic strategies on Instagram, how to go into uh, hashtags and look up. Um, and, it, and it may sound weird uh, to, to stalk parents. But you stalk parents with kids. You figure out the right hashtags that parents would be posting with kids in the local uh, geo uh, geofenced area. And I'd go and leave a comment or, le or or start a conversation on their page from my golf account. And that would allow them to start interacting with me. Then they would go and see what I did. And then I would promote uh, uh, summer camps or weekly demos. And they would reach out to me or I'd offer it to them to come out for free to demo the camp with their kid. And I was about a 90 to a... 95% success rate, if I could get them to show up, if I could get the parent to bring the kid and go take the kid out for an hour and show them, you know, what golf can do, how much fun it can sure. be, uh, physically, mentally, and just, it also gave parents a place to drop their kids off for daycare. It's definitely, a, it's uh, a win for everyone. It's a win for everyone. And so I was able to build it through digital marketing. I did it through a lot of organic ways. But that's when Ty Lopez showed up in my feed. That's when Ty Lopez mm. was starting to advertise to me. And he was talking about running an agency. He's like, hey, start your own agency, start making 10K a month. And he was talking about this whole agency stuff. So at one point I, I thought to myself, I could actually do what I'm doing now that I'm doing for myself. I could do it for other golf coaches. And I actually had mm -hmm. other golf coaches that I knew asking me like, hey Matt, how do you find students so fast? And I started telling them my secrets. I said, hey, man, you just got to get on Instagram, go to your local city, start looking up hashtags, start stalking parents, comment. And they were a little like, I don't know if I want to do all that. They were afraid, timid, afraid of the backlash. And I said, fine, um, I'll do it for you for a fee. And so that's the culmination of creating my agency. And, and when I realized like, wow, I can charge a thousand to two thousand dollars to manage these accounts and start driving leads into um, other coaches inboxes so they can start en enrolling students. Sure. I was like, wow, I could I could really flip this into an agency. And that's what I did. I said, you know what, I'm going to go all in as much as I love teaching kids and I love golf. I need to provide, you know, monetary gain for my family and and. The student base was good, but just not enough money at the time. And so I switched to an agency model uh, shortly after for in around 2016, 17. Mm -hmm. And from 2016, 17 and on until 2019, I just nose deep into Dan Locke, uh, Ken, uh, Dan Kennedy. Mm -hmm. um, who else is out there? Grant Cardone, Gary Vaynerchuk, Ty Lopez, uh, Jeremy Haynes, Aaron Fletcher, Frank Kern. I could go a whole list of all those sure. big popular names. And I studied all their work, bought their materials because I got tired of wasting tens of hours on YouTube finding the wrong answer. There's good content on YouTube. If you don't have money, YouTube is your friend. But once you start getting money, invest in the experts you know, invest in their programs, invest in their knowledge because they're going to give it to you right there on a silver platter. And then it's up to you, obviously, to take that knowledge and go deploy it. But I was just getting tired of finding a 20-minute uh, Instagram strategy hack or, or TikTok hack, which back then wasn't TikTok. But, and I'd watch it for 15 minutes. And I go, where's the secret? I don't, I don't get it. There, mm -hmm. Where's the answer? And so I just got tired of doing that. So I just invest into those programs. And then... 2018, 2019, um, running an agency is, is a headache <laughs> being a solopreneur. Yeah. I think that as you, you know, you tell, you go through this kind of journey, it's like, even through, you know, the way that you just laid that out, I think that, um, uh, what, when you're, when you're finding something, you immediately go, Hey, who else can I share this to? And I think that that's a, that's not something that's normal for everyone in our society. It's starting to become normal. Yeah. And my question would be that because I think you went pretty quick into it and I've gotten to know you. So yeah. I'm going to pull back just a little bit. <laughs> yeah, do it, please. Just stop hard. Pause me hard. Stop me. when Dude, you You're just, you're so, you're such a good talker. Like you could lay it out. <clears throat> and I think that, um, where is that place? Because I think that um, I think we should also you, you've now gone on because I'm going to the question I'm going to ask is give you some really good validity. You've gone on to be a success coach for over 500 um, clients that have gone through and worked them through a system to be able to use an ideology of what you're just talking about right yeah. now. So yeah. let me just stamp that for everyone when we go into this next conversation. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I'm claiming you as a badass. I got to make sure they do too. So in that sense. Um, where does that journey hit? 
when we talk about the alchemy story that you have found where they come in, like you had said earlier, because I think I can parlay this. Let's see if I can do it. I came into the military and I didn't have to be sold. Really what you were telling me is I was ready to be coached. I was ready to be served in the military and I had all these boxes checked. And when I went in and they said, hey, here's your $10,000 bonus. You're like, it didn't even matter. I already, I already took the job. Yeah. My question is, as you've now seen through people and work with people and they are doing this type of thing and they're growing their, you know, their audience and they want to sell to them. Where in that alchemy store are you finding that people should go? I got to be right there. And I know it's the place of interaction. I know that the common sense, but maybe on a deeper level, because I think that's where people get really get stuck. Absolutely. That's a, I mean, yeah, the mind is such a wonderful thing to have, but it can also eat itself alive because there's so many different things that are keeping people, you know, self-doubt, imposter syndrome. Mm -hmm. And there, you know, it goes back to the elementary, you know, mindset kind of things. You got to have a mindset. You got to have, you got to be confident in your, in yourself. And I had, I think that was the key factor, X factor, I would call it in terms of what allowed me to get to say, I'm all in because I, you have to sell yourself and if you're not confident in yourself and the ability to just jump and, and say, I'm going to be successful regardless of what happens, you know, I think that's where working with my, with certain clients, you know, over four or 500 of them, those are the moments, right? You know, helping them become confident. But a lot of that is just answering some of the uncertainties that they don't know because they've never been mm. down this path before. And so for me, I didn't care for the uncertainty. I was willing to take on any challenge. And I had that mindset of it doesn't matter what the road is. It doesn't matter what I have to do. I'm going to find a way to either run through it and break my nose doing it or find a sneaky way around it. It may take longer, right? A, a better way of doing it. But is there any exercises that you found that broke that? <laughs> I have a few, but is there any exercises that you found? Uh, you know, not necessarily. I think the military really helped me with this. Like it built the confidence I needed because in my 10 year career, there was a lot of projects, a lot of tasks, a lot of duties that I had that were uncertain in their outcome. I yeah. was the guy leading a project that no one had ever led before on a ship. So I yeah. was the guy laying the foundation, learning as I was going and having to pivot quickly. Like, oh, we can't make this mistake again. And we got to adjust this like by tomorrow. So I'm staying the extra hours at work to make sure we don't have the same hiccup tomorrow when we have our workforce going out tomorrow. Mm. And I think just, you know, I don't, you know, there is no specific exercise that I did other than I think it was just my trial and error through a 10 year career in the military. And, and again, getting reprimanded and, and getting mentorship as well too. So if I had to say, if there was exercises, it was having good mentors, good, good mm -hmm. uh, mentors that helped, you know, that I could turn to for guidance to, to say, Hey, like I'm in this uncertain territory. I don't know what I'm about to do next week for this one project. Do you have any insight? Have you run a project like this in the past? Can you make sure, you know, give me a couple pointers and tips. Mm -hmm. And I would say that's pro yeah, that's more or less kind of, I think how I built upon my work ethic because I could turn to certain mentors and they would clear up and give me a little bit of confidence because I, and remove some of the uncertainty that I was like, ah, how's this project going to go next week or next month? And that's kind of what I feel I do now for the clients that come through our program. The same thing, because they, they're like, well, what, what happens after this? What do I do next? What happens if this doesn't work? And I have to sit there and kind of coach them through that mindset of, hey, yeah. here, here's your A, B options. I like to always do, you know, you could do this and here's some potential outcomes you could be faced with. Or you could go down this path. And here's some potential mm -hmm. outcomes you can, and here's some examples why that is. Here's my background. Here's my experience working not only with myself, but other clients, what they've experienced. Sure. And now I have to present this to you. Do you feel more confident now that you know your two options, which option you're going to go home and, and you're going to think about and go with? And they're like nine times out of 10 times out of 10, they're like, absolutely. Thank you, Matt, Coach Matt, for giving me the clarity I needed to see which two options I have. And hey, I'm an entrepreneur. Hey, I'm building this thing. It's this or go back to the nine to five. And so then there they have to, you know, muster up the grit and determination to say, well, I got to pick one of these. I mean, you know, yeah, there may be more out there, but these are the two that my, my mentor, my coach has given me as like the best here today. And I think like one of the things you're saying too is there's, you know, when somebody is, 
if you've worked with people and I've, I've worked with people and doing this too, it's like you, they get on and they still have the reasons on why they got on with you or, and what you tell them aren't going to work. And so then they still don't take option A and option B. And I think that one of the things that we just kind of had, like where that was, is like in your situation of being in the military, you were willing to do what they say to do. And even if, again, you didn't do your whole you didn't do your, you didn't do 20, you didn't do your life. You did yeah. 10. Right. So it wasn't the final outcome of 20 years of just doing it that, that time. Um, I think that that happens in a lot of solo entrepreneurship. We, for, we forget how much, how much weight we have to really pick up. So it's yeah, like, it's if not- you even tell them, it's like, no, okay, here's your option. You can pick up a hundred pound and you can just pick up that dumbbell and take it a hundred yards. Or I don't care. You can pick up five twenty pounds and go a hundred yards. I don't care. But we're gonna have to do one or the other. And then you're gonna say, "Well, I might hurt my back on the left one." And you go, "Oh, my legs may hurt on the other one." Do you find just people just don't take the next step? I mean, because you don't really have people's businesses don't have the. I don't even put it this way. Everybody sells the cup differently, even if people act like they don't. <laughs> Yeah. Every business runs differently. So what are your thoughts on how people, especially you're in a, you're in right now, you're doing a lot of men's stuff too. How do you get them to grind out? I have an idea, but yeah, I think there's, there goes a lot into it. A lot of it is, you know, searching, you know, soul searching mindset hacks, you know, uh, meditation, um, habits. I mean, there's a list of, you know, things you can do. And I think as a, you know, again, this is very, you know, uh, worldly like everyone has to find their way but you know i like to look at it as hey look at the end of the day you have to show up it's your duty to show up and put in the work and i i pulled this from gary v just because you know me and him think alike and i got to give him credit where credit credit's due you can't cry complain and wish your life to be a certain lifestyle if you're not willing to put in the work to get there and mm. so you know, it come, it does come down to, you know, once all the options are laid out, whether it's five options, two options, one option, at the end of the day, if you're not willing to show up and put in the work, you're if you're trying to live a 1% lifestyle, you're never going to live it. And that's the mm-hmm. honest truth. And so whether that's meditation hacks, whether that's fitness hacks, whether that's mindset, whether it's getting coaching and accountability, there's like some people don't need coaches. They just need a habit. They need tracking. Some people need coaches to, you know, call them once a month to kick them in the butt and say, hey, where are your KPIs on these last few tasks we talked about a month ago? Right. And and that. Oh, that's good, dude. Right. That's good. Some people don't need the coach to some people get out of bed anyways. So they just needed some technical movement is what you're saying. Like, hey, I just go left, go right. You're on your way. And you're saying other people get on and go, Hey man, I kind of know where to go, but dude, I can't get my ass out of bed, dude. I need this alarming work and I need someone to militarily whip my ass. Yeah. And I think there's a mixture of all of that and everyone, and everyone has a certain degree of that mix. And I would like to lean towards when it comes to building business, doing work, work ethic, I would consider myself, you know, that top 1% unicorn Mm -hmm. out there where, you know, you give me 20 hours of rocket science and you tell me to build a rocket. I'm going to go build a rocket. I'm going to figure it out. Like I'm just a problem solver and I don't really need uh, that accountability for, Hey, go complete this task. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to things like my personal fitness, right. Mm. I, you know, I kind of have a routine, but I, I thrive off of, Hey Jason or, or, or you saying, Hey Matt, we're going to go hit the gym at 5.00 AM tomorrow. We're going to do this, yeah. this Spartan race. We're going to do hit. We're going to do yoga, whatever it is. If you say, Matt, I want you to come with me and you need to be up at 5 a.m. and we're going to be out the door at 5.10, I'm up and out the door at 5.10 ah. because I'm accountable to someone else. Wow. And when you're accountable to someone else, you tend to show up because you don't want to disrespect the other person's time or their attention or, or their, their, their way of showing in, into your life, right? That's a relationship you want to keep. And, and you're only going to show up and, and, and be my friend so many times. And if I keep missing that deadline of getting up and out the door, you're going to be like, you know, why am I wasting my time with this guy? Why am I trying to? Be and you also just described like um, as even as a just as a human, you're like, you know, this parts of my life, I don't really struggle in that area. I'll get up in the morning, sit in front of the computer. I'll type all those things. 
but the areas that, and I lead that part. And then you're basically saying, Hey, this is an area that I need to be led yeah. and, and accepting that. And, and sometimes, you know, here's a great example, like in boxing, when people box, there's two different types of people. One guy goes into the ring and he says, all right, I'm, I'm ready to fight. I don't want to get hit. I'm going to hit you before you hit me. Then there's a different type of fighter that goes in and goes, I don't start fighting until I get hit. Wow, there's so many fighters that can't, um, that can't access their fight energy until they get smacked in the face. And it's, it's really strange to see. I don't know if I'm a full believer in it, but I'll tell you, I've seen it a ton of times until well, I realize I'm in a fight. System. The fight or fight. I realized I'm in a fight and I had to get hit to do that. And I think that what you're sharing on that is that each person throttles for a different reason. And then a real good coach that actually works with someone doesn't say, here's the formula. He goes, you're not having a problem doing that. You're not having, it's, you're not, it's, it's your repetition is your issue. Yeah. You can't stick to anything. And yeah. so we have this great diamond that we want everybody to look at, but you can't stick to that. So, so as you went through that, how, how has this kind of thing like affected your life? I mean, dealing, you know, working with over 500 people, that's a lot of people's issues, problems, things like that. If you were, if you were working as an EMT, you have seen every broken bone and everybody yeah. choked out. How, cause you know how EMTs, it affects them. How has that affected you as a human? Yeah. I mean, as a human, it's, it's opened up my eyes and it's given me, um, it's humbled me in a way to where I, I just don't find myself complaining about any little thing anymore. Because I see the struggling, the struggles of what other people are going through and some of their, um, like when I have, we have a client and he just, just couldn't get over the hump around charging a certain price for, he couldn't see the value in what he offered. He just couldn't see it. And, and I mean, I spent countless hours, not only in the group calls, but in one-on-ones, just trying to get him to understand like how he can, you know, provide a service and value and how it works for his market and for himself. And he just, just that imposter syndrome, he just couldn't get over it. And the fact that he couldn't get over it and it struggled with it for so long, that made me realize like, like I, I'm empathetic to like how he feels. And I was like, I'm thankful that I've gone through the journey that I've gone through to be where I'm at, where I don't have those blocks, those roadblocks in my mm. mind. Mm. Right. You know, I've got a lot of projects coming up at my, my day job, launching the podcast, family life, two kids, you know, wife and, and all kinds of other problems around it that come with normal life. And I don't go into it in, in a closed mind, complaining fashion. It's, it's super abundant. It's super open. Things will always work out. I'll find a way. As long as everyone's healthy, we'll get there. And it may not be there tomorrow. It may not be there next week. It may not be there for next five years. But I know I will get there. But I think that mindset that I have, I'm thankful that I have it. So I'm empathetic to seeing all the struggles I see with my clients, not just with mindset, but you know, when it does come to their finances and getting clients. But yeah, I'll tell you, there there's some horror stories in there where, you know, I, I wish I could, you know, just that's my way of coaching is I do my best to try to to build their confidence through my understanding of what their life will look like. Here's clarity, here's Mm. clarity but here's the path you are on for your specific business and here's some things you have to look at you have to look at it as a person if you're and, and one clear example <laughs> is always when it comes to launching their product it's paid or organic and so many people are afraid to do paid advertising and i under i get it because it is a it is its own world when you do paid marketing but it can be very very fruitful for your business if you know how and well they're a part of our group, our coaching, so we know how to help them set all that up. But yeah. I give them two paths, and I go, if you have a lot of time but you don't have any money, you got to go organic. And you're going to have to put in 5, 10 hours of messaging, DMing, cold calling, a lot of things that just because you don't have the funds. But if you want to move fast and you have the funds and you don't have the time, then you need to trust us with our paid marketing strategy. Work with us. We'll set up your campaign. Mm -hmm. we'll, we'll educate you. We'll make sure you're confident before you spend even $1. And I get, you know, a guess both ways and we help them either way. But, you know, getting them there, it's like people have the money, but they're so afraid. So that's well, interesting yeah. because, and I've said, talked about a little bit before, like Grant Cardone, he had had a conversation and he's like, what's the one thing that he had billionaires say to him that he, he wished they would have said. 
And he says, I wish I would have spent more money on ads just for exposure. He's like, even the years that doesn't yeah. matter, you know, I, it would have multiplied 10,000 more. So I think that what you're saying is that you're going to go further if you go with, and we kind of just made a tactical switch in the conversation, but it is. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's okay. That's good. I, I, um, I like yeah, it. I'm pumped about it. So you, um, so basically in those two options, I like how you said that you have a business and this kind of doesn't even just go with coaching. It's like, you can pretty much sell anything. Let's kind of say this, you could sell anything door to door, right? You can just drop off a flyer and say, call me, or you can go door to door and say, would you like to buy my alarm system? And in those cases, you're going to run into a numbers game. And what you're saying is that you're either willing to put in the time or you pass that through. What is the number one thing that people get afraid of about ads? Uh, it's, it comes right back down to uncertainty. What's my mm. what's my expected return on investment? If I put $1,000 into an ad campaign, am I going to make at least $1,000 back, right? Are they just even going to break even? And so, and the uncertainty of how the ads work, how the funnel works, the numbers, the metrics, the KPIs, they just don't know. And the number one single thing about running ads is the uncertainty. They, mm. like, they just don't know the numbers. They don't know how their funnel works, where it operates, what they should be analyzing to determine if their campaign is running successfully. And then the expected ROI, are they gonna get a 2X, 3X, 4X ROAS on their, on their spend? And once we run through some calculations, when we run through baseline numbers and KPIs you want to hit on all stages of the funnel and you educate them and, and it relieves the uncertainty, then along the way they can have those, those uh, benchmarks to ensure their campaign's running properly and pausing when the campaign's not. And we see a lot of, a lot of entrepreneurs when they're running their first ad ever, a lot of them come have come to our program and they've never run ads ever for anything. Sure. Whether it's print media, whether it's radio, and so we spend probably a good 30 to 40 minutes with them just breaking down, one, their numbers, which is based on your customer value, what are you willing to pay for a lead, right? So we go through the numbers of their entire funnel before we even launch. We don't even know if the funnel is successful yet. We don't know if it's going to convert. Sure. You got to know your numbers before you spend a dollar. So that way when one part of the funnel doesn't convert at the right price or at the right number, we can time out, pause analyze, make the adjustments we need for that part of the funnel, and then return the campaign back on. And so when we go through that exercise with our clients, it's it's the uncertainty. That's their fear. The fear of like, where's my money going? How am I going to get my money? I back? think you bring up such a good point. And I think that it's, um, how do I say this in a way that people want to get a return on investment, but I don't, I don't think that um, they understand they sometimes. Jump to the, they always jump to you know, if I give it a thousand dollars, I want to make five, $10,000. Right. Yeah. But I also think it's like, when you say like, for example, if I say, go do this, like if I say, you know, I want you to take this, this, you know, javelin or whatever and go throw it and hit a, hit a target. If you tell me that, you know, five out of a hundred actually hit the target, the next person gets a little bit closer, but you do get to throw it again or something like that. Right. Yeah. Then you'd be like, Oh, okay. When I throw this, I'm not like, am I far off? And I think that there's a lot of business right now that is like, you don't know if you're on target. And, and when you can actually look and see in some campaigns, you could be like, Hey, you know what? 5% or 8%, then you're playing the game. And I find this a lot difficult or very difficult sometimes in the organic side, just because volume's not there and you don't get your, you don't get enough like, oh, I can shift. You just think you hit a wall because you can't move fast enough to get over it, right? Well, yeah, organic, you're limited by your effort and time to, to put in those actions that are non-scalable. And, um, but there is a rhyme to that reason. And, and we break down an organic strategy I'm sure you know of. It, it's where, you know, if I send out 100 messages a day, right, how many on average do those messages respond back? And I'm sending those, hopefully not copy and paste, hopefully they're thoughtful and valuable, but... If you do that, you know, you know, three or four times, that's, you know, that's 400 messages. You're going to see a percentage of a return and you're going to say, hey, you know what? I've done these 100 messages a day, four days differently, and it seems that I can get about a 5% response rate. That's what I'm averaging. So you can, in a sense, figure out kind of what you're getting and, and it's going to be ups and downs, but you have to do multiple of them. But that's where the hard work comes in. Most people get, don't even get through the first hundred messages, 
right? They get th- they get through fifty and they don't get any response. Yeah, and they're like, why am I? Because doing this because stupid? the effort. Yeah. This is quite interesting that you talk about because I, I I believe in this like so wholeheartedly that it's like the effort that you put in. You have to understand people are playing in the same game as you. Mm-hmm. You're just not willing to push the rock, and it's like mm-hmm. the five. What you just said right now, it's really interesting because I was going to say that was the number that I always ran into. It's like five percent. That means that 95% of what you're going to do is not going to give you any fruit. Now, hold on here. Those messages that you go out, it's 60 days. You know, all of a sudden this person's like, oh man, I've been out of the country and I haven't had a chance to talk to you. I really apologize, but this thing's really interesting. I like to buy it. Right. And that's, (laughs) tell me that's how it goes down. Absolutely. It it goes down all kinds of ways. And there's so many ways, you Mm -hmm. know, down the grand Grant Cardone path and talks about numbers, right? You know, those are, <laughs> those are rookie numbers, right? From yeah. the Wolf of Wall Street. We got to pump those numbers up. And, and it's true when you go an organic path, when you go down to numbers, you can determine what those are. But if you don't know those numbers, we have to go find them. But, but a hundred messages a day or a hundred messages a week, that's just a bare data set point that you have to get to. And that's why I have paid advertisement is just, it just will crush organic almost nine times out of 10 because I can go get a hundred messages in an hour if I have the yeah. right campaign, the right messaging, the right targeting. And so what am I willing to do? Am I willing to spend three or four hours a day to send those hundred messages or is my time more valuable? And I'd rather spend a, you know, a hundred or $500 getting those hundred leads coming in, which again, right. follows a certain funnel and a path. Well, then you're on to the next one, right? I mean, so you just said, hey, here's 5%. And and this is something that I think that I discuss maybe often openly. I've done this before, but when I think I just did it on a podcast, so why not say it again? (laughs) But ultimately what I think happens is that looking at things in volume many times is like an item. If I were to take this right here and I want to say, I'm going to go put thousands of dollars. I mean, when we, when I was in the sunglass business, we, we were spending like $30,000 a month in ads and Google ads. And this is years ago and years ago. Right. But the volume that you had to put out to get a return was just astronomical, but, but the volume is there. It's running, it's going. So then what happens if you are somebody that goes into consulting or coaching, and you've probably seen that it's a very depressed state. Because there's not much action, right? And then if you don't know the numbers, then you then you really are like, am I, I mean, I'm just in the middle of the ocean. It's double whammy, man. When you don't know your numbers, mm-hmm. you don't have the confidence to launch. And it, it and in entrepreneurship in general, you're you're already kind of a, a, a the odd duckling in a lot of the rooms and, and your social circles and, and even in your life, right? I can't even imagine um, the, the, the entrepreneurs out there that have, um, backlash from their spouse, right? Cause there are spouses out there that don't support that journey. Cause they know how much of it cannot be successful, but you have to outweigh your risk versus reward, right? It's high risk as an entrepreneur, but it's also high reward. Mm-hmm. Right? And the number one reward I can think of is time freedom. When you're mm-hmm. a true bred entrepreneur and you can build something from scratch and you can, um, create at the end of the day, at the end of all the other KPIs and metrics that are important, when you have access to time freedom and you, you, you don't have to answer to anybody, you know, that's entrepreneurship. And that's why most people are entrepreneurs and try to build something on their own is to always chase that. I don't want to answer to anyone. I want to live my life how I want to live it and go where I want to go, speak to who I want to speak to. And I don't need somebody or an entity telling me, no, you're not allowed to do that. And, and partially the military kind of, kind of gave me a boost into entrepreneurship mm-hmm. because the military was, you're not allowed to go on vacation. Yeah. The country. Hey, we're leaving for nine months. I'm sorry you're going to miss your friend's wedding, birthdays, yep. anniversaries. Sorry. Right. And so I know the opposite side of that, having to serve the serve my country and understand there's a calling. And I, and I realize now is like I would never give back what I have once I got out, no matter how desperate I get, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that like what you're saying also is like the sooner you can start creating those habits of what you're talking about, because a lot of, you know, even in moved here, it's like, there's this area that's just, most people just don't want to do the work like there. And and what's happening is that it's like, can I get your message that made that brought you 472 leads? 
Yeah. And you're like, but it didn't come with the backstory of you. Yeah. They miss a they miss a crucial part of that formula, right? You can go out and find the seven figure funnels and copy everything word for word and replace it with your information. The problem is, is that people see through the BS. People see through the bullshit right away because guess what? I can put up some fancy photoshopped or even professionally photos of myself on a landing page. But if there is no video to go with it of the person like breaking down what they do and what's on this page, then there's a good reason. There's a good sense. Well, at least from my eyes, because I've been able to yeah. critique these type of things. I'm not going to trust that page. Like if that person's not on video where you can build the most amount of trust and you can hear their words, their conviction, their confidence, if they don't have a video on that page or anywhere, there's a good chance they're, they're in my eyes, a snake oil salesman, they're a charlatan, they're not. Wow, look at that. Dude, that's gold, people. <laughs> it is. You have to be in front of your people is what you're saying. And, and so it goes back to what you just mm. said, like, let me steal your copy, let me steal your messaging, and I should be able to run a, a six-figure book funnel. Like, well, no, because you're going to go copy what the other person had, but, and I've seen it. I've seen people copy our material, like word for word, we had to do some legal stuff. And it was crazy because I was doing the investigation. And sure. I listened to an hour long webinar and this guy literally scripted everything Aaron did in one of his, in his webinars, like just word for word. And I go, this is gnarly hearing it, but from a different mouth. But it, I was literally looking at both scripts because we uh, transcribed his and we transcribed ours. And I go, the guy is literally saying everything Aaron said, like word for word. Good but you people. can tell, even without it, you can just tell his, he's very like just chunky. He's not confident in what he's saying. He doesn't sound sure. like he knows the information and it's coming out of him um, fluidly. But that's how people are going to perceive you. So, yeah, you can try to copy my ebook or copy someone else's landing page. But guess what? If you're not there in video and you can't show them through looking at them in the eyes or at least the camera and with conviction and confidence with what you've built, then it doesn't matter what you copy. It's not going to be successful. That's such a good point because the, because everybody is going through, it's like, you really, you have to be you, right? I mean, yeah. you really have to go in there and present who that person is. Um, I like kind of how you went back, but it's like that snake oil concept, you know, the, the, yeah. what is it? The, the pet rock. <laughs> Yeah, I think I don't know if you know that story, but that was back in the day. Basically, a guy painted a bunch of rocks and sold them. And I think it was just shipping and handling. Um, yeah. Well, I think that's a little bit different than like the snake oil. You're right. Like the snake oil salesman was like someone trying to sell medic medicine for people. Yeah, you're right. That were like were and it was fake. And yep. so um, and like uh, I forget, I hear the term the charlatan. I don't know the meaning behind it, but I think the charlatan must have been some sort of scam artist guy. But you know, if you're not, and it goes to these big broad words like authentic, right? Mm. Be yourself, be authentic. It doesn't mean you have to be different. You don't have to have a quirky mannerism or a weird colored hair dye, but you should have the confidence to be yourself. And and if you're not, right, I, you got to build it. You, if you're going to be in the space, if you're going to be in the space of being a public figure, if you're going to sell an item, a service, if you're going to be the front end customer facing brand of your business or someone else's business, you got to practice on it. If you're not good at it, well, then you have two options. You know, find another job, go the other yeah. way, or put in the time, effort, and work and practice to get better at it. And I'll tell you, uh, like right now, you know, between you and me and you, like we've done this so many times, the conversation yeah. flows. The, the Our words aren't, you know, too mixed up and, and we can keep yeah. the attention. Yeah. Well, guess what? I've been speaking and public speaking and teaching for 20 years now. Cause when I joined the military, I took on some roles that put me in front of my division or the command. Again, another skill set that you parlayed through your life. Yeah. That's so important. It's important yeah. for people to pull back from those like, Hey, you know, actually kind of putting it on that, like maybe there's somebody that's in that same position and they're like, Hey, I haven't done this for 20 years or 10 years. And you're like, okay, now I'm going to do this. Pull from those times when you did do it years yeah. back, parlay from it. You're going to be rusty. I bet you were too. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I, I think um, I'm, I was rusty all the time. And, and even still like just coming up to today's conversation, right? It, Still got the butterflies, right? I still Dude, got for the, sure. Like, I do it too. Know. I just, you know, the only, what I did is I just came to a conclusion. I five minutes before, I I sit here and you know I I think I'm come. I've, let's say one of my 
say that I think I'm naturally, I can talk, I can work with people. You're not that. But five minutes before this thing, I literally have to, all right, calm down. There we go. Calm myself. Yeah. And I just try to put myself and imagine that we're having a great experience. It happens to literally all of us. Everybody. Well, I think it's an, it's, it's an, it's an expectation, you know, great people put on ourselves that, you know, because we want it to be great. We want it to be impactful. We want it to be valuable. And we, you know, we set expectations for ourselves at a very high level. Um, and, but in reality, when we think about it, and this is my, my trick to it, right? You have yours, you know, like you may have some exercises and my trick is I think of like, well, what's the worst thing that can happen from this? Right? Like, yeah. as long as my family is healthy, as long as I'm healthy, right? Like I'm, I'm happy. You know, yeah. if, if this conversation somehow, which I doubt will happen ever, like with the whole cancel culture, we could probably talk for, we don't want to go too far, but I'm not afraid on what I say on this podcast, even sure. though I work for a specific company that, you know, I'm not the owner, you know, and if he were to call me up, if he saw this podcast and people on our client saw what I was talking about here and they didn't agree with me or align with me, I'll live with those repercussions. Mm-hmm. But I, I think that's, that's huge too of how we're going to be men and people in our society and even for our business. You have to stand up for what you believe in a lot of the times that's, you know, and obviously aligned with, you know, the social construct of sure. what's right and what's wrong. And if something happens, you know, that's where most people will become a victim. Oh, this was, you know, this shouldn't happen to me and this is unfair and I'm going to sue the guy for wrongful termination. I'm like, yeah, well, no, I see what I'm, you're saying. Yeah, for sure. No, I'm just going to tighten my boots up Yeah, and I'm going to go work a night shift over at the local bar and <laughs> yeah. clean up some tables and do some lawn service. So, so what you're saying is polarization is important to you, who you are. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and people are afraid to be that themselves and, and I, I hope through this podcast, through my podcast, and just what I do on a daily basis is to help more people be confident in being themselves and, and, and getting away from this, you know, thought process of victimhood and, and cancel culture because people are afraid to, you know, believe, you know, it's, it's a sad world when you're afraid to tell people how you feel about this country or your business and you've got to tiptoe on eggshells. Because yeah. you're afraid of the backlash. I we're in a very, I, I'd have to agree with you anymore. We're in a scenario right now where um, the hardest part is the people that want to cancel culture mm-hmm. don't have a plan for everybody. Yeah. And that's what I think is, is a struggle. I, I'm open to anybody's, uh, you know, I think that there's a libertarian in me traveling so many different countries and seeing poverty. I never thought oh, I would absolutely. see and weeping in third world countries that maybe that's another day for a podcast. But for me to ever think that that's not something that gives me humanitarian, you know, mindset. But there's also a whole flip side. And I think that we can't pull everybody's individual thing like we can't burn the whole thing down. We've got yeah. to come to an agreement somewhere that we're all different. We know this. We are the United. If we're just talking about America, we are the United States. Yeah. We're united in certain things and find out what those are. And I think that those also come with how we will be able to serve each other as well. And the hard thing is there's a lot of people also in business making the hard line and they're thriving because of it. So there's a very yeah. interesting thing here you know must separate absolutely absolutely and and i think it all comes when you when you dive deeper into the constitution and and the bill of rights and and all the things that america stands for right it's a sense of, of of family a sense of pride a sense of community and we're getting away from those things, right? Mm-hmm. And and it all starts with each individual and, and kind of how the last several years for myself is I need to take care of my family first, right? I need to do the things that I can to take care of my family first. I need to just block out all the other nonsense that's going on in the world. Well, some people will say, well, Matt, you're you're heartless because you don't care about the people over here that are dying sure. or you don't care. And like, no, 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 I care. But me as an individual right now, there is not much I can do outside of maybe voting, which even then we could argue how effective that is. Where are you so, living? <laughs> right. So I, ha- so we, so I really do believe, right. If we can focus on family first, first inner circle, let's just get that cleared up. Let's get finances. Mm. Let's get religion. Let's get relationships. Like it, let's make sure your center circle of family 
is taken care of, whatever that looks to you. Then when you now have the freedom, the confidence that built between the family, so you see eye to eye with your brothers, your sisters, your wife, your, your husband, whatever it is, then you can say, okay, now how do I go out to that next layer? How do I take that those 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 ideologies, um, the, you know, because there's ideologies of all types of people. How can I then expand it one more layer? And my example would be my neighborhood, my community. Sure. I have a men's group. We've got a WhatsApp, and we're I'm talking with 30 or 40 men in my neighborhood, and we're keeping an eye out. We've got ring doorbells. We had a hit and run sure. in the neighborhood. We're protecting our family and our com- they're protecting their families first. Then we're coming together collectively and protecting our community next. And then what's the next layer after that? Well, I've protected my family. I've protected yeah. my community. I've also built a business that allows me to give me funding to have the freedom, the time freedom, to now go do my humanitarian acts. But I sure. have to take care of myself and my family first before I can do the next layer and the next layer and the next layer. And again, mainstream media, they don't like to talk about all the good things Elon Musk and Bezos and Zuckerberg, even though they have their faults. Go don't give me like I'm not friends with Mark Zuckerberg and I'm not like I don't like him a lot but yeah I'd be naive to say that behind closed doors he's not doing some sort of humanitarian good with some of his money whether or not it's for a tax write-off sure. or not I'm sure he's sending money somewhere in the world or somewhere that benefits you know a hungry child a homeless person the problem is well they always say there's also a statement that it's like you know we if you look at you would call the elite or you would consider high-level mm-hmm. politicians like yeah. They still need the people. Yeah. <laughs> like you need the people. So it, I think that there's a part of what we're getting in this conversation is just even even on just a living standpoint. It's like yeah. there's a point that you would be afraid of everything being destroyed. But at the other note, they need all this shit. They need this yeah. movements. They need people trading. They need all that. You can't. It's not. You can't just have this camp of people that really do nothing. You, you, we're gonna need people. You know, we're going to yeah. need people. I think so how did you scale? Go ahead. So how did you, you know, you've now got guardians in society. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about it. What, where does it come from? Now you have your entrepreneurial blood back in. We were all, you know, talking about their investments earlier. <laughs> we're just dadding yeah. you and I last yeah. time. But what's the next thing? It's like guardians of society. What does that mean to you? Yeah. So guardians of society is something I've been thinking about for quite some time now. And, I think I finally pulled the trigger um, recently to kind of just let's go with it, launch with it, because I've just seen, you know, uh, one, Guardians of Society is to help build strong and confident men. And Mm. it's going to be in all kinds of aspects, whether it's wealth, health, relationships, or business. And what I found is that through my journey and where I'm at with my family and the confidence I have and, and and the structure I have around me and... I'm seeing close men in my life, whether they're brothers, uh, brother-in-laws, friends, just just unconfident in what they're doing with their family. And I feel mm. like I see them getting pushed around a lot by societal constructs that they don't agree with, and they pander to the politically correct crowd, right? They don't mm. speak up for themselves. And then when I have private conversations on the side, when we're sipping cigars and, and we're sipping some some uh, some gin or, or or some rum, they start to tell me like, "Wow, we think alike. I, I thought we weren't thinking the same. I thought you, mm. you know." And I go, "Well, why don't you speak up more? Why don't you, you know, apply that to your life?" And they're like, you know, I'm just afraid of the backlash. I'm afraid of you know people not being my friends and my family disowning me and. And I go, okay, well, well, are you happy? And they're like, no, man, like I'm miserable. I really hate the way my life is set up right now. And so I hope that Guardians of Society will build a community of men to help support other men, to give them the confidence to say, hey, you're not alone. You know, the way you think is not singular. You're not by yourself. And that the way you think isn't bad. Right. A lot of that is happening right now. The way that I think some call me conservative and others out there throughout this, you know, whole toxic masculinity nonsense, which, you know, hey, toxic is toxic, whether it's feminism, whether it's masculinity, toxic, no matter what you're doing is bad. But the, the, the idea that being a man providing, protecting and over your kids, over your family, over your over your property is a bad thing. Um, it's just it's something that's um, I'm finally kind of 
done being on the sidelines, as you could sure. as some would say, and I'm ready to use my voice while I have it, at least for the platforms that will allow me to before they shut me down at some point, maybe. Um, but at that point, I'm probably successful if, I, if I'm getting shut down. Um, and I was just sad seeing some of my close friends that I that I hold dear to my heart just have that kind of like thought process and pain. Like, and I want to build their confidence through this podcast and spread the message and, and get them to, to see kind of what I've seen over the last uh, 10, 10, 12 years of my growth as a human being, as a man, because I've been through a, a, lo- a big journey. And it's difficult talking to other men sometimes. And we get along because we're on that same path. We've seen a lot of the same sure. stuff. So we, you know, we have that, that, that open-mindedness of, of certain sure. topics, of certain journeys, understanding risks. And, but there's a lot of people I can, you know, after having two minutes of conversation with, I can say, okay, I need to steer away, stay, steer clear away from some of these topics, or Got I'm probably it. not going to talk a lot in this room because, you know, the, 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 the thought process of some of the men that I'm surrounding myself with, they're just very like, oh, time to go to work, time to do laundry, time to listen to my wife all day long. And I'm not saying that's bad, but it's just this robot mentality, no confidence. And it, there's just, just a blankness behind their eyes that I see. And I go, what are you living for? You know, are you happy? And so I hope that Guardians of Society, one, will build stronger and confident men, but ultimately allowing those values, starting from the family first, then the community, and then we all come together as a nation because that's the next thing. How do we protect our society from going down a path of no return, of really, really bad things to happen? And we've gotten away from, and a lot of, uh, of what the Guardians will stand for um, comes from the Constitution, comes from the Founding Fathers, and just the education behind that script, that document, and, and really being able to understand it. I didn't understand it until a year ago when I actually read it for the first time. Mm. Like I didn't have to read in the military. It's not even a, a required reading. Which ah, that's that's surprising that it's not a required read. You wouldn't hmm. think, you know, you serve this country, you should read the Declaration of Independence, of Independence. The, the, the Constitution, <laughs> the the. Here's what you stand for. Yeah, and and we're, yeah. we're not we're we're recommended, but we're not required. And I think as men, as as the citizens of this nation, you should be required. That should be a required document when you become an adult to kind of say, hey, you're a citizen of this nation. You are required to read this. And I mean, you don't have to agree with what's in it all the time, right? But you're required to read it so you understand what are these things we've built over the last 100 plus years, how the social constructs have changed. And you'll notice like, wow, like there are some lines in the Bill of Rights, like right out the gate. They're like, Mm. man, these last two years should never have happened based on these documents. It should never have happened. The, the, The complete lockdowns, you know, the mandates. There are some things that should not have never been approved based on the founding father's message and how this was supposed to supersede future mandates. But- I think this is interesting. And, and I think this is kind of like, you know, uh, entrepreneurship also opens up your ability once you learn how to structure. I mean, I kind of just call it out. Yeah, it, 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 you've learned you learned how to structure. You learned how to bring people together. Then you learn how to give them a message, and so you created that. And again, now what you're using is that business acumen or that perfect word, your acronym. Yeah. And basically, what you're doing is you're now saying, "I can do something with the skill set." And I think that even when you were talking a bit ago, you were starting out, say, let's start with the family. Then you go to your neighborhood. And kind of in that saying, what I've always told people is like, you guys got to stop, like, stop your opinion if you're not willing to go lobby for it. Mm-hmm. And I've always said the biggest problem is you won't go and tell, you know, and I'm sure there's a bunch of people out there that will, but a lot of us won't go and tell the city to put up a sign because there's kids getting hit on a corner that's being whipped around a million times. They'll drive by that a million times, but they'll talk about something that's at in Washington, D.C. that they believe is going to affect their tax code. And they're not even willing to go to Washington, D.C. and actually lobby it. If you are telling me and I'm in an argument with me, hey, by the way, I was just in Washington and I had my signs picketed and I just lobbied for this. I'd be like, you're fighting the battle. I, I'm not yeah. even fighting the battle. So I think that like on many fronts, it comes to a societal decision, right? Comes from business owner, not, not everyone, but comes from an entrepreneurial mindset that I'm going to have to go solve a problem. And when I go solve that problem, people will come with me and go do it. Dude, you're awesome, brother. 
you crush. Hope to have you on again, dude. Tell yeah. people where they can find you, Mr. Matt Lopez, your stud, bro. How do they do it? Yeah, absolutely. Well, one, uh, this was amazing. I appreciate you having me on. Um, I'm. You can best connect with me on Instagram at Matt Lopez Official. Uh, we'll be launching the Guardians of Society podcast on April 25th. Uh, so by the time this comes out, it may or may not have already launched. Uh, but if you want to go check that out, we're launching through anchor.com, which I think does connect with uh, uh, at least Apple iTunes. Got to figure out how to get it on uh, Spotify. Um, but we do have a Facebook group. So for those of for those of you men out there that are listening in today and, and women at some point, we'll have a new group for you as well. But um, ideally, men, if you'd like to connect with me, join the society, get to know other like-minded men that are going to be uh, learning how to just every day chip away at becoming a stronger and more confident man. Um, search Guardians of Society um, over on Facebook and uh, request to join. We'll, we'd love to have you in there and share your story and, and ask for help. Um, but yeah, those are the two me- uh, best places to, to find me and reach out. Dude, great stuff, brother. I appreciate you being on the Moved Entrepreneur of All podcast. Thanks a lot, brother. Rock on. If you like this episode, make sure you smash the like button and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Just like Nike is to athletes, Moved is to entrepreneurs.